Welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. As always, I'm one of your two hosts, Matthew, and joined today with me is... Michael, the other co-host. How's it mm-hmm. going, guys? Um, So, yeah, I mean, we'll get right into it. Uh, I mean, this is episode 43. This is both the uh, the Nazem Kadri episode and the Pascal Siakam episode. So, uh, showing a bit of love there to uh, a pretty big number in, you know, in this recent uh, Toronto sports history. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good there, but um, how have you been especially this week? Especially for Pascal, yeah, yeah, especially oh, for Pascal. Uh, week's been uh, good, crazy busy as always. That's just really what it is with school now, fully up and running, and also work. Uh, I uh, I just finished a, a like a nine hour shift today. Uh, Jeez, at the time recording this. Like I've only been home for not even an hour, so I'm tired and ready to go. Busy day. You, we'll, we'll we'll keep the the discussions nice and relaxing today. Nothing too crazy, um, but yeah, my my bu- my week's been pretty busy as well. Um, been busy with the move and everything, but uh, yeah, no, uh, it's just been good. Been able to watch a lot of sports. Um, it's been a really exciting week, especially on the sports front. You know, um, mm-hmm. the conference finals in basketball and then the Stanley Cup finals in hockey, and I mean, we'll talk about it more. The Blue Jays. They qualified for the postseason first time since yes. 2016. So there, there's a lot of really excitement exciting going on. Stuff, mm-hmm. honestly. A lot of exciting things going on. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, just been kicking back. I um, on the video game front, I've been playing um, the uh, Super Mario 3D All Stars. Um, yeah, the, the collection I... mm-hmm. with. If anyone hasn't, you know, found out about that or isn't playing that, um, it's Super Mario 64. Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy on the Switch now, ported to the Switch, and it's fun. I love those oh, it, games. It, definitely, yeah. it sounds so fun, man, and it looked really cool too. I'm Are you gonna pick it up? I don't have my Switch on me. My brother has oh, it, okay, so okay. as soon as as soon as we get it, uh, I'm best believe I'm gonna be uh, grinding that game, even sure. though I've already beaten one of them. Yeah, I mean, I've beaten Super Mario sixty four multiple times. Like it's one of my mm-hmm. dates back to my childhood, but uh, like it's just one of those games where I could honestly just play it even so many times through i and think now, i just mentioned a, another experience on the switch right yeah exactly i was i think i mentioned this on previous episodes correct me if i'm wrong but uh, that was the very first one of if not the very first game i ever played so it does hold a special place in my heart and I getting think, it just played again be cool i think it's the same for me i honestly think it's probably one of my first video games i've ever played mm-hmm. and uh yeah, yeah it holds a special place in history for sure Comment, uh, let us know if, if uh, this that was the first game I've ever played. So I wanted to just know how universal that experience is. Yeah. That'd be Comment, interesting to see. Tweet us what your favorite, your first video game ever was. Can't uh, wait to hear the discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I think we'll go right into sports now. Um, we'll start talking about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs first this week. And there have been some rumors going around. And Michael, I know you're kind of the expert on this subject right now because i've seen you put out a number of articles for the least nation um yes, about about this specific rumor and uh, i'll let you take it away and explain it in full detail well it's give, there's yeah, quite give, a us, lot of give us the whole timeline okay so so far uh dating back to a couple of days ago the one of the big news of the offseason so far well at least for most teams with the exception of the those in the playoffs was Alex Petrangelo's uh, contract status. And uh, as you guys may know already, he has decided to test free agency. And the, by no means does that guarantee, oh, he's going to for sure become a free agent. Uh, no, but he's not going to talk with St. Louis. Uh, it's far from it. 
for sure things can change, like I've mentioned in previous episodes. But uh, we're at the point now where he's uh, on potentially going to hit the market in a few weeks' time. He wants a signing bonus and no uh, moving clause uh, on his deal, and St. Louis is not pro- budging on it. And if any team wants to sign, they have to keep those things in mind. And I think really what's mo- most important is uh, just who is going to be the favorite. Everyone in Toronto thinks it's going to be the Leafs. Everyone in, Los- in Vegas thinks it's going to be the Golden Knights. Everyone elsewhere thinks it's going to be someone else. I have no idea where he's going. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he prefers. Uh, if it's like if he wants to settle down with his family, if he wants to go to contender, if he wants both. But whatever the case may be, these next few weeks for Alex Trench are going to be certainly interesting. For sure. I mean, let's just break it down a little. Um, like you said, um, we don't know where he's going to land. And honestly, I think that's the thrill of free agency every year mm-hmm. um, because you really don't know where these UFAs will land. But for the fun of it, let's break it down here and look at, you know, why he would want to go to those rumored teams. And, you mm-hmm. know, I want to start off by saying, you know, um, on the Leafs side, one of the things you mentioned was that he wanted signing bonuses. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Leafs are one of the teams who've been able to afford signing bonuses and they've been able to front load their contracts and, and make those moves to make, you know, contracts better for both sides in that in that regard. Um mm-hmm. So in that way, the Leafs definitely do match up. But I think, honestly, it does. It's pretty crazy. It, it honestly comes down to, uh, I think, a lot of, you know, coming home. And I think we've seen that a lot, you know, with Tavares and even in basketball. Um, Kawhi going back to L.A., just the draw of coming home is bigger to athletes now, I feel like, than it has ever been before. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole draw of coming home and playing for your home team, just in sports in general, it seems like a big thing uh, more now than ever. Um, absolutely and I think it's going into hockey more about taking your own um, you know molding your own future and your own uh, career like basically the, the, the players having more control and I think honestly only in that sense I think Toronto is a you know a contender because he is I think that's the biggest draw but yeah. what do you think do you think Toronto really offers anything else because I mean, we spoke about this before. Toronto would have to make very significant moves to even make the space for him. Yeah, that's the big thing, too. If Toronto is really serious about getting Alex Petrangelo, even if uh, they don't make a move, they have to move somebody, either before they sign him or after, because there's just no way they can fit his salary onto their roster without somebody getting moved. And we already know the candidates. Andreas Janssen, Alexander Kerfoot, potentially Travis Dermott, and so many other names. But... If his value is more towards winning, then Vegas is in the better position because they've had more playoff success in the last few years compared to the Leafs, obviously. Vegas, as you know, uh, just made it to, this, to the conference finals, lost in five games to the Stanley Cup finalist Dallas Stars, and they could definitely have the money to be able to go on a run for uh, a guy like him if they really want to. Uh and I think uh, a lot of people don't under like a lot. It's not really a well-known uh, fact, but Vegas is uh, is getting better for raising families, and a lot of players like being out there. So if he really wants it out there, it's definitely not the worst place to be. But again, it all comes down to what he really wants. And as I've said earlier, if he prefers winning and being with his family and making sure his family's safe then I think Toronto is the best bet. But if it's really about winning and he wants more cups, then I'm going to say Vegas. And 
who, who's to say that there's a dark horse candidate out there? Mm-hmm. I honestly do think uh, Vegas, Vegas, it's pretty crazy. I think they really did have built themselves up to being, you know, a, a free agent uh, destination in the sense that, I mean, let's be real. Like uh, the weather out there is great. I mean, it's still the West Coast, you know, um, nice hot weather. I mean, yeah, maybe it's not as much like, you know, as, you know, people don't desire living there like California, but, you know, it's very nice, the weather out there and just the area yeah. there. It's very nice. Um, I'm sure athletes love being out there. I mean, it's, 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 it's ever since, you know, the teams uh, formed there. I mean, there's been no complaints at all. And then, yeah, exactly. yeah, and then I was going to say like the, the winning culture, I mean, they've done everything to build a winning culture immediately. If, if you're looking at any hockey team, um, you know, in, in recent history or like in the last few years, that's, you know, has a winning culture. Vegas is at the top of the list. And I think you really have to take into account because they basically never had, you know, they've been good right off the bat. They never had any sort of losing experience. And I think that really is a draw. All they know is winning. And the fact that they're, you know, they have a competent management that was able to put together a team like that right from the get go means that their athletes probably have a lot of faith in that um, organization. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Vegas outside of St. Louis is the biggest threat to Toronto for uh, getting Alex mm-hmm. Petrangelo. They have to be very mindful of them because they could totally, they have the tools, the access and uh, the cap space to go, to go after Petrangelo if they really want to. And I think really what it comes down to, do at least want to stay, stay patient and wait till he gets to free agency or do they want to ensure themselves uh, a chance to negotiate with him exclusively by trading for his rights, which is something that uh, has been thrown around a little bit. That means uh, Toronto would probably have to give up a high draft pick if they really want him. And I think St. Louis does want to give up, a, wants to get a quality asset back for his rights because who, like, you don't want the, the captain or one of the most important players in franchise history to walk away for nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's what Toronto would have to do if they really want to steal a uh, trend away from any teams like Vegas or whoever else might be interested. And I heard something that the, the Bruins might want to move out uh, Tory Krug and they might be in the, the market for a defenseman. So there's mm-hmm. someone to keep an eye on too. I'm going to be real. Like, I don't think the uh, Leafs should even, you know, make a deal for um, his rights early because one I mean if you wait a, f- a few months uh, like a, if you wait a little while longer you can get him for free when he hits the market but there's no guarantee that he would even sign even if you made the trade for him and mm-hmm. that's just one more asset to what you would have to give up to even I the, the Leafs will already have to give up a lot just to you know shed uh, cap space just to be able to sign him and that's just one extra asset and, and I feel like you know at this point the Leafs kind of have to um, be careful with the assets they have. Like they have, they really have to assess them and manage them appropriately. Absolutely, and I think that's really what it comes down to too. It's just what's their priority? Do they mm-hmm. really want Petrangel that badly that they'll give up an a-, a future asset, mm-hmm. or will they be patient? Let's not and forget, the like the- they had to give up a first for uh, Marlowe in the Marlowe deal uh, last season. I mean that that one kind of hurt to to hurt to see to see it just go like that, and you would hate to waste another asset like that. Exactly, and I think that's partially why they made the move to get get a first round pick this year in order to sacrifice that Casper Kapanen. It kind of worked out that they didn't they didn't they were kind of ready to move on from him. But you have to remember they that was going to be a very big embarrassment if they uh, did not find a way back into the first round for mm-hmm. this year, especially mm-hmm. given everything that's been going on this season. For sure. So uh, we'll just have to see, of course, literally in the next 
two weeks where he lands and uh yeah we'll see if Toronto really does decide to make those moves uh in in, in order to sign Petrangelo Speaking of moves, uh, well, there was one from the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, but we don't really need to go in depth with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to really talk more about the Stanley Cup Finals because tonight is Game 6, and yesterday was Game 5. Back-to-backs in the in the Stanley Cup Finals make zero sense. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Actually, I mean, tom- well, we're filming this Sunday night, so it's actually tomorrow night. Oh, right. The back-to-back okay. was Friday to Saturday. And, yep. uh, yeah, I mean, getting that topic out of the way, I think it was a terrible, uh, <laughs> a terrible idea because, you know, I mean, you could tell, I mean, the, the game went to double overtime yesterday. Yeah. So that already shows how gassed they were. And then, you know, they, you know, it's just, especially at the highest level of play, they need that day off. Um, if they, if you want to see them play at the highest level. In fact, if this was any other season, it's almost given that they should get, you know, one to two days off. But, you know, having a back-to-back, unfortunately, it is just the result of, what you know, the fact of the the pandemic um, kind of bubble situation that they've had to do that. But, yeah, let's hope that, of course, if, if this bubble scenario has to repeat, repeat itself next season, um, you know, they will have more time to reconsider how they schedule things. But um, either way, the last two games, uh, games four and five, were some of the funnest games I've seen, uh, at least all bubble. Yeah, I agree. Definitely competitive. I, I'd agree. Like, they made the most of it. Like, even though the players were obviously exhausted from having to play two consecutive hockey games on consecutive days for the for the Stanley Cup, mind you, which is why I think I'm guessing it was had to be because they wanted to get this done before October. Mm-hmm. which okay i mean if that's what you want to do I, then go I, ahead i also think uh i think it, it's a weird time of course for sports so the nhl especially doesn't want to compete for um tv views i mean today is sunday this is the first time they'd ever have to compete with football for you know the stanley cup finals and uh, i really do think uh they would have you know their their viewership would have suffered a little if they had placed it on uh, sunday night Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, football always is a big grab. They're always mm-hmm. going to get a of lot course. of uh, viewers. That's of uh, never in question. I think I think that's part of the... I think it almost comes, goes into consideration a little um, into their scheduling. You know, that's why uh, when it's the NF, the NHL uh, season, you probably know this, but on the, sun, the Super Bowl Sunday, the NHL, and I think the NBA as well, they play all their games in the afternoon, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. early afternoon starts, because they want to get the games out of the way, and then all the focus is on the Super Bowl. For sure. That, like, it's always been like that. Like, if the NHL was really serious, like, they could have totally done, let's do afternoon games on the Sunday, like mm-hmm. at 4 p.m. start, so that it doesn't interfere with the prime time 8 o'clock uh, Sunday night game, because yeah. the Sunday night game is usually the big draw. I really think it is... Uh... You know, and that's actually that's about to start very soon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really think it's uh, it's it's just a, a result of the times we're in. I mean, this is the first time ever you get like all four major sports at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And in a way, you know, I feel like every single sport is competing for those views. And unfortunately, I mean, it's 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 not something to shy away from. Is the elephant in the room is that the NHL is the 
you know, kind of the, 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 the out of the four leagues, the one that has the least viewership. I mean, it's been yep. growing at a great pace, which is great to see, but I think they know that and they have to make those kind of decisions in order to get the, especially to compete at this, at this time. So uh, just a I'll go quick uh, sidetrack. Uh, the Sunday night game is between the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers. Should mm-hmm. be a fun one. It will be. And we'll talk about the NFL very soon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to the Stanley Cup final, let's just wrap that part up. Uh, I thought, you know, the last two games were great. And yep. uh, honestly, I'm not pulling for anyone in particular. I kind of want to see Dallas uh, make a comeback here because yesterday's game was insane. They were able to, um, they were able to, you know, stop Tampa Bay from uh, winning the cup. Um, of course, in a grueling two two overtime periods, but it's just been a great series. Um, and I really want to see. I don't know. I just want to really want to see some more hockey. I wouldn't mind it going seven games if I'm being honest. I wouldn't mind it too because who knows when it's coming back? It may mm-hmm. not be coming back till at least uh, late December, early January. So we have to. I want to get as much hockey as I possibly can before we and don't get it. I want to say like a lot of people are saying, you know, the Dallas Stars have been a boring team. I think they've been a great team. It's been very, mm-hmm. very interesting to see them. Um, I love watching, especially, you know, Joe Pavelski really took a big step. I think we talked about him a lot earlier this season on this podcast when we were talking about San Jose's struggles. I think it really is a big thing to see. You know, when you see those veteran guys who know how to win and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of really holds the team together, like Joe Pavelski is one of those types of players. Like if we're doing like a cross sport reference, it almost reminds me of like Kyle Lowry just is a winner. And I feel like Joe Pavelski, even though he hasn't won a cup yet, he just has it in him to, you know, step up at the right times. It's, you want to put it into perspective just how valuable he is uh, in a hockey sense. Uh, look at the San Jose Sharks last season compared to mm-hmm. this season. That's what we were talking San- about, yeah. Yep, we've said this many times in the past, but uh, San Jose, I think, really misses Joe Pavelski because yeah. Joe Pavelski was the glue that held that room together. And I think that when they took him out of there, I think uh, the on ice chemistry fell apart i guess maybe the off more importantly the off ice synergy goes like fizzled out and i think that really played into their uh, lackluster performance now that doesn't mean that that team is forever going to be bad mm-hmm. because it could it just as possibly be yeah. just one bad season yeah and that doesn't even mean it, he's not the he's not the sole reason as well but i think he was a big mm-hmm. a big reason to how that you know that dressing room and that team worked Yes, of course, yes, because uh, there's a lot of injuries that team faced. But again, it all comes down to he's a big part of that team's success, and the they went, the fact that he left for nothing was a big blow, and I think uh, they really miss him. For sure, for sure. So uh, with that, um, I mean, we could talk about the Penguins trade. Penguins made a, a – I just want to ask you, like, uh, it, I think it's clear that the Penguins are still trying to hold, you know, onto their window here moving yep. Patrick Hornquist out basically for Mike Madison. Um, they are going a little younger there uh, in terms of uh, age in that trade. But, uh, I mean, it's a contender move. Um, and, you know, it's a move where they want to f- try to fill a, a hole that they've had on, on defense. And they're, they're really just trying to, you know, get, get value out of those pieces right now. Do you think, I want to ask you, just, just the only question out of that topic is, how long do you think the Penguins really have for their window to stay open? Well, here's the I think the big uh, deciding factor for me. We have to look at how old both Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are. Crosby is 33. He'll be 34 at the end of next season. Evgeny Malkin is, I believe, 34. So you only have at least a few more years left of quality play from both guys because a decline is inevitable. Who knows when that happens? 
But if, are the best days of the of those of the team behind them? I think so. I think they can still totally compete. They are definitely not. They definitely can't be counted out. But I think their window is starting to close, mm-hmm. and I think we're we're getting close to that point where they're starting to rebuild, and they have to start focusing on the youth. Which is why when we saw that when I saw that trade, I was very confused by it. Why they gave up so many assets for that guy for Mike Matheson? Uh, well, okay, not for many assets. Like why they traded Patrick Horford for Mike Matheson, who like. In all like in all fairness, he's a fine player, but for the money money when he's paid, it's a little bit of a of an expensive uh, defenseman. Mm-hmm. And the and and here's the thing that really boggled my mind: the way that they handled it, they never really uh, contacted Hornquist about the trade. And uh, his comments uh, the day after it happened, it's like uh, I was told I don't that they don't want me in Pittsburgh, and that Florida wants me. It was easy to say yes, like. He's slighted. Like mm-hmm. I would imagine that the, the team are very upset too because Hornquist is a popular guy in the locker room, is he not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is, and uh, I know he was a big piece. Especially, I think I, I I read a quote that you know Jim Rutherford saying he was his first uh, acquisition as as GM of uh, Pittsburgh, and you know to kind of see it go now, to see him go now. I mean, you could tell. I mean, like I said, you know, a team trying to hold on to their contention uh, window is uh, they're going to overpay in a lot of ways, you know. Um, yep. And and defense is definitely their biggest um, their biggest hole, and they've been trying to fill that. I mean, Chris Letang is not the player he once was. Um, they're really just trying to piece things together um, and really just trying to figure that out. I mean, they've made some questionable decisions. I mean. We know with that Jack Johnson deal, that was pretty horrendous on their end. Mm-hmm. But those are the kinds of things that you have to do as a contender. You have the core, you know, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, that can um, get you so far. And it's more like just trying to fill those holes up as as, as best as you can. And obviously they, they need to give up, you know, a, a pretty valuable asset in Patrick Hornquist. Still, a, you know, he's kind of on that, that fringe replacement player core player um kind of line there but you know you have to give that up to um to get what you want back so i'm gonna be honest i think they're i really do think their window will start to end i think this season if anything was the beginning of the end for them but i think we could see maybe them you know try to squeak in the next couple of years before they start bottoming out like for real yep if they're going to keep trying to compete for Stanley Cups, even though the signs are clearly pointing to them regressing, and Jim Rutherford remains a GM and wants to keep making trades to desperately keep his team competitive, then just to replug my article I wrote earlier this week, if I'm the Leafs, I'd be picking up the phone and saying, Jim, what do you want? I mean, who do you want? Who do you want from the Penguins? Make a call for <laughs> well, Sidney <Chris>, Crosby? <laughs> I doubt it. It's, it's going to be impossible. Uh I everyone's linking to Matt Murray. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100 sure. John Marino was probably the player that I'm most intrigued. Yeah. On the Penguins, he's uh, was one of the better defensemen on the Penguins. He was eighth in Calder Trophy voting this year. Uh, the Penguins apparently really want Chris Tanev if he makes it to free agency. There's going to be so too many defensemen. Mm-hmm. Somebody, something's got to give. So if you're Kyle Dubas, why not say, "Hey, here's Andreas Johnson. Here's uh." A, pros- a prospect. Here's a draft pick. 
give us John Marino. I mean, take it or leave it. It's almost bullying at this point. I mean, we know that <laughs> Pittsburgh is bound to make bad trades and overpay for things because, yeah, like, I mean, could you blame them? They have a very good core that you don't want to let go, right? Um, when you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, you don't want to just, you know, see their career kind of die out in their last few years. You can still compete. It's just what do you do to keep that together? Sometimes you just have to overpay. And that's the situation there. And But uh, it'll be interesting to see in the next couple seasons. Oh, of course, yeah. I don't think that they're going to trade for him right away. But mm. what I think is just that some they're going to make, as long as Jim Rutherford's around, be, be prepared for another questionable transaction coming from the Penguins. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think uh, with that, we'll move on to basketball. Just a little basketball. Um, of course, we talked about it, but Raptors are out. So sad. It is pretty sad. There have been some rumors swirling, though. Um, first, I want to talk about Fred Van Vliet. I mean, those rumors have been going all season. Do you think he stays in Toronto? I think we've talked about this last week as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he does. I think he likes it there. His, he's starting to raise a family there. I think uh, what it comes down to, uh, if it really comes down to his contract, what does he want to get paid? What do they? Uh, uh, what do the Raptors value in him? And I think they they think he's a very important part of the team's success. I think if they let him go, is you're it's a massive hole you're leaving behind. And think of it this way too: Kyle Lowry is not getting any younger, and I think he's his best years are going to be behind him soon. Someone's got to take over the point guard role. And now I'm not saying that Fred Van Fleet is ready to take that role just yet, but who's to say that by the time Kyle Lowry is ready to hang it up or as his career starts to wind down and he starts to settle into a bench role, maybe Fred Van Fleet can take over as starting point guard. I think that's something Toronto needs to keep in mind. And for that reason alone, I think they should keep it. A hundred percent. I mean, we talked about this all season. He, he really is kind of the uh, the replacement for Kyle Lowry. I mean, we, we do know the Kyle Lowry rumors have been swirling around, and it just goes back to the point of Kyle Lowry is getting too old to, you know, I mean, he's still playing great, but he is reaching that age where you have to decide if he, you know, if he stay, starts regressing a little bit, which is expected, nothing wrong with that. And uh, you yep. do need to find a replacement. Fred Van Vliet is that replacement. You don't want to see him walk. The only da- the real dangerous thing, I mean, you know, we've seen um, reports that you know the Knicks probably want him. Um, I mean, though that those that's a team that would overpay for him, and like, I mean, I get it. Um, you know, if they offer him a crazy contract that's more than Toronto could offer him, um, I you know if I'm Fred VanVleet, like I would take that, of course, right? If you were offered like a crazy contract, but if you want to win. You know this team has a winning culture, and you know, um, you know this management can put together a good team, regardless of what happens with Giannis or not. Um, and mm-hmm. I think he should take that into account, and I think he will. I think he there's a lot of value in the fact that Toronto was the team that put you know that 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 kind of uh, took him in and believed yeah, in exactly. him. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's developed into a great player in his own right. And who's to say that the sky like that he can't become a great point guard. I think he's shown flashes of that potential. Obviously, he still has a ways to go because he needs to fine-tune other aspects of his game. But I think he can reach that that, that height. And that would be a great uh, segue from uh, the Kyle Lowry era of the point guard to the Fred Van Fleet era. 
for like sure. that's two quality point guards on the franchise for at least a decade and a bit that that's good stuff for toronto and that bodes well for just their long-term uh like uh vision they don't have to worry about the point guard position if they keep fred van feet because he will be the guy like i said for sure um i want to use that to transition into, into our next rumor um there have been rumors swir- swirling around about uh Montrez Harrell. Um yes. and you know that he uh basically Shams basically Shams Sharania of the Athletic basically reported that the Clippers and uh Harrell both have a mutual interest in rejoining forces, but along with the Clippers and the Mavericks, um the Raptors are one of the teams that are expected to have interest in him. And I believe you told me that uh there was a uh you know i think you said they uh he does follow the toronto raptors on instagram and i don't know how much uh how much that adds to the rumors but i guess it, mm-hmm. it adds a bit yeah there's so, definitely a bit of interest there and that's a, that's not to say that of course he wants to be in a toronto raptor right now but if the opportunity presented itself he would definitely accept it the only thing is though if you're the rap if you're the clippers you need a point guard badly Who's a point guard that might be available? Fred Van Fleet. They probably would desperately want to sign him if he becomes available somehow. If they really, really want him, and they want, and, and Toronto really likes Harrell, who's to say there could be a trade between the two parties? Would I you, don't think it's going to happen, but uh, that's something to be considered. Would you take him? Would you take Montrez uh, Harrell? Hmm. You know, Montrez Harrell is a really good player. I mean, yeah, he just won right. six man of the year. Exactly, and I think he could definitely transition into a starting role at either point, power forward or center. Because if you're Mark Marcus All, he might be gone. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to take over the 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 four or five spot on Toronto next year. You know, what I think you it comes s- down to oh, keep on. I basically, I'm just saying mentioning Serge Ibaka is also mm-hmm. another factor here because who's to say he's going to resign? He probably will because he's a big part of the team's success, especially off the court. But there's just too many moving parts. And if having to replace Marcus Gasol means you have to give up Fred Van Fleet to get a guy like Montrezl Hill, then you, ha- then you have to do it. But again, I don't think Fred Van Fleet goes. I think he's a big part of this team's future. But go on. Um, I was going to say, I mean, basically what you ended up saying was uh, I really think a lot of it goes down to uh, comes down to not just Gasol, but Ibaka. And I think if Ibaka also walks, then I think the Raptors kind of would pull that trigger to sign Harrell as a, a replacement, yeah. but I if Ibaka resigns, I don't think they pull that trigger. I don't think. I mean, again, we don't know what Masai sees in him. Maybe, maybe there is interest there, but I don't think I at surface level he doesn't seem like he exactly fits the mold of the Toronto Raptors, and um, it would more it would more just be about you know trying to get value back after you lose a lot of value in players. I think if Gasol walks, I don't think you need a replacement per se. I think that just, you take that cap space and, and roll with the next season. Exactly. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, Montrezl is a great player, but it's going to cost a lot to get him if the Clippers let him go. But again, it's a, it comes down to what you were saying too. How is he going to fit into the roster? Mm-hmm. How is he going to like uh, slot into the lineup? Will he be used more in a starting role? Is he going to be the sixth man? Is he going to get, be more of a bench player. I don't know what the fit is. For sure. And uh, I, I, I quickly want to 
move on from that topic to uh, something that I just want to mention real quick. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Raptors assistant coach uh, Nate Bjorkren was uh, interviewed uh, or is will be interviewed uh, or will interview with the Pacers. And mm-hmm. uh, I just want to know your thoughts on that. I know you've you had uh, you mentioned something about that and about the kind of the winning culture around Toronto. I think it's pretty interesting that uh, Toronto Raptors co- coaches are being pursued heavily by the rest of the league. It's a far cry from where they were a few years ago, where uh, no one really wanted to touch the Raptors' uh, staff and front office. I think it just speaks to their development and the overall culture uh, shift the team has gone over the last couple of years. And I think now that uh, Raptors coaches are becoming a hot commodities, I think it just speaks well to the things that are being developed, that anyone who gets hired as a coach or as a, in the management role is bound to get picked up by get interest from other teams. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it all started with Dwayne Casey. Let's give him credit, of course. Um, but it's different because, you know, he was a head coach and it's easy to pry out a head coach um, and, and want to target a head coach because, you know, he is an experienced head coach and lots of teams want that. But the fact that, yeah, the assistant coaches are being targeted means Toronto has that winning culture now and it's being recognized. And, and uh, I think, I think they could definitely be a coach one day. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that it's going to happen in Toronto because Nate, Nick Nurse is, is sticking around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I think he'd definitely be a great coach if he does get picked up somewhere. And good luck to him if that happens with the for Pacers. For sure, for sure. And speaking about coaching, the next topic is uh, that the Bulls hired uh, Billy Donovan. Who, that uh, is uh I remember we move. talked about this. Uh, I was messaging about this. Um it is a move. I think it's a very good move. I mean, I, I remember when Billy Donovan kind of agreed to, uh, you know, part ways with the Thunder. You know, I asked you, you know, like, I was kind of surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Because he he essentially built the, or he was, he helped build the OKC Thunder to where it is today. And in fact, in the fact that he brought a, a winning culture to that team all these years, I mean, Let's not forget, I mean, of course they had three MVPs on their roster at one point, but as all of them left, this last season I think really shows how good of a coach he was. The fact that he was able to, you know, take this team that was pretty much written off and take them to the playoffs. Um, Of course, Chris Paul played amazingly, but, you know, he kind of unlocked the potential of a lot of other players, such as uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander as well. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to quickly add that uh, Billy Donovan has done quite a lot to his reputation this this past season. Uh, I think this one thing about Billy Donovan, Donovan is uh, that maybe he was overrated in the way that he uh, handled the end of the uh, Kevin Durant, uh, Russell Westbrook era because of his offensive system. But give credit where credit's due. This season was his breakout year in terms of uh, just taking uh, whatever he had of it at his disposal and working with it. And that Oklahoma City Thunder team, like you said, was being written off as, uh, oh, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to make uh, the, yeah, the, the like playoffs they're, this they're year. Yeah, they're a rebuilding team. That's how everyone went into the season thinking when uh, they pulled the trigger on that Russell Westbrook trade. And the fact that they had a better showing in the playoffs this season than they did last season with an arguably more talented roster should speak to the level of uh, quality coaching that Billy Donovan has. Now, that's not to say that he's perfect because he made some questionable decisions. If you remember in that Game 7, there were some, uh, let's just say, some interesting choices he made uh, for offensive schemes uh, to try and uh, take tie the game or take the lead. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, but simply put, yeah, I mean, going back to the Bulls, um, it's, it's a questionable fit because I don't know how Billy Donovan, of course, he doesn't have the same pieces in Chicago. Um, but I think, if anything, he wants that bigger step. And I think the Bulls are, you know, that franchise that's right. I think the Bulls and the Knicks are, are those two franchises that are right for the taking in terms of redemption. And, you know, yeah. you want to be that coach that redeems that type of team, that type of franchise. And um, there are pieces in, in Chicago. There are a lot of great uh, pieces to get excited about, especially, you know, Levine, um, great player. And uh, they have the fourth pick, this uh, this draft. So I think they're hoping for a lot from him. I think he's a very quality head coach. And I, I really do think they'll find success. So I, I, I don't think the fit is, you know, exactly what they're looking for. But maybe the Bulls are looking for to take a new uh, a new approach to the entire rebuild. So we'll see exactly. how, that, how that plays out. And finally, I think let's just talk about the uh, finals. We know yesterday... Um, the Los Angeles Lakers actually were uh, crowned the Western Conference uh, champions. Yep, they are they await uh, either Miami or Boston in the uh, for the finals. And uh, I just want to know. I mean, w- as we wait for that uh, series to conclude, just who do you see out of those two? I know Boston won the last game, so they're kind of inching their way back into the series. Do you still see it being Miami, uh, LA in the finals? And and w- how do you think that would play out? I think uh, it's definitely Miami versus uh, L.A. in the finals. It just That's what it feels like to me because uh, Miami's been the better team in that series. Uh, that's not to discredit the Celtics. Uh, it's just, just for whatever reason, uh, Jimmy Butler and company are on another gear, especially Tyler Hero, who we've been uh, singing high praises uh, like in, the, in our chats. <laughs> it's absolutely insane what he's been doing in the playoffs. Yeah, so the Lakers definitely... I think are going to be the favorites entering that series though, just because LeBron seems to be super motivated this year. Like look at how his celebration or lack thereof after the the Lakers uh, won game five. Mama mentality. Did, exactly. Like he didn't care. He knows that uh, it's all about how he does in the finals. I think it was something along the lines of, uh, I don't give a bleep about, uh, nobody gives a bleep until you win it, until you win. And that's his mentality. Like he's, this is now his 10th, NBA Finals, something that many players would dream of doing, and the, he's one of the few players that have been to the NBA Finals on three different teams. Like LeBron's a special player, but I think he's really focused on making sure his winning his uh, win percentage in the finals is uh, not uh, three and seven, but four and six. Mm-hmm. And I mean, LeBron will always be in the goat discussion. Simply put, I mean. 10 finals appearances whether he won it or not i think it speaks testaments to his ability to carry a team i mean look, we've seen it multiple times in cleveland you know especially in 2018 his ability to go to the finals just getting to the finals is hard enough right and yep. yeah we'll just always see that but yeah my, i i could see i see la winning um even if it's I, I still see miami meeting them in the finals but even if it was boston um, yeah, Anthony Davis and LeBron James is like already an all-time great duo yeah. in NBA history. I mean, that was, I mean, and we're going to go talk about it right now, but that series with, um, you know, with the Nuggets, um, that buzzer beater by Anthony Davis was absolutely insane. And he just took yeah. over that game and, you know, they've been able to depend on each other. Like no duo has been able to before, and it just works so great. Like their chemistry is off the charts. 
going into that it's, series, though. Oh, go on. Just basically saying it's it's absolutely amazing what two number one overall picks can do together on the same court. Oh yeah, I mean, technically there's three on that team, but you know, Dwight Howard. <laughs> but no. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dwight Howard, but uh, you know, that's not his his prime anymore. But he's making an effect. Uh, he's he's playing effectively there, but. Yeah, all-time greatest duo there. One of the, one of the greatest duos of all time. But going yep. into that series, not talking about Tyler Hero here, but now talking about the Canadian legend, Jamal Murray and the Denver Nuggets. They've just been so fun to watch these uh, playoffs, and like, I'm sad that they're out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sad that they're out. They've defied odds all playoffs, and you know, the the Lakers are finally able to stop them. But Jamal Murray, is it safe to say he's like? Recency bias aside, though, he's been, you know, he's been great all, uh, kind of all, um, all his career so far. And he really took that step these playoffs. And we were hoping that, you know, let's say he does perform like this next season. Is it safe to say he's a, a superstar? He's already been catapulted into the superstar, um, you know, kind of bubble there. Because I think, I think arguably he played like the, the best player in the playoffs this, uh, uh this, these playoffs. He did. I think this was if if people didn't know about Jamal Murray before this this uh, playoffs run, they certainly know about him now because he is by and by far and away the modern day equivalent of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Because I mean, did you see all those clips of him doing the layups mm-hmm. and compared to Michael Jordan's layups mm-hmm. back in his prime? Like it's almost eerily identical. The man clearly watched a MJ highlights and thought. I can do that. Oh, I can yeah. do that better. For I sure. can't wait to see what he can do uh, in the years to come because this this Nuggets team is definitely a favorite to make it to the finals in the coming years. I think this year it's just like they ran to the hot one of the hottest teams in ba- basketball, super motivated team in LeBron's uh, Lakers, and obviously no team can really uh, overcome that. But I think the future is super bright for the Nuggets, and part of it's because of Nikolai Jokic, and the other part is because of Jamal Murray. For sure. I mean, Jokic has shown that he is the best center in the league. Simply put, he really is the best center in the league. And uh, that Denver team is going to be good with those two. With those two leading the way, they're going to be really good. They're going to be really good for a long time. Um, but I, I, the last thing I wanted to talk about there was, uh, I kind of hinted at before, is Jamal Murray the greatest uh, Canadian player right now? At least Easily. right now? Mm-hmm. easily mm-hmm. it's not it's not even a debate who is the second best canadian basketball player is probably the better question i'd probably say shay Gilgis alexander probably and then andrew wiggins yeah like it's it's a bit pretty big chasm between jamal murray and shay like i can't remember his name shay Gil- <laughs> Gilgis alexander yeah just call alexander. him sga 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 like the, the the gap between jamal murray and sga and then the gap between SGA and Andrew Wiggins is pretty big. That should just tell you how good Jamal Murray is. Easily the best player to come out of Canada and also the best athlete to come out of Kitchener, Ontario. That's mm-hmm. a hot take. Mm-hmm. I know uh, I know. Nick Nurse was saying that he's excited to coach Jamal Murray once um, the Team Canada practices get underway. So... Again, Canada, bright future in basketball. 
Absolutely. I can't wait to see uh, more basketball players uh, get drafted uh, in the top five of the of the NBA draft. We already seen one recently. Mm-hmm. And who's to say we're going to see more? I mean, quick little hint. I mean, a uh, little tease, but Elijah Fisher, he's cl- uh, right now in high school, but he'll definitely be in a, I forgot his draft year, but he'll definitely be one to watch. Okay. Our podcast yeah. is going to be called mm-hmm. uh, the Fisher hype train podcast. <laughs> um, but I think we'll switch sports again and go into uh baseball because yes. it's been a very exciting week um, for the Toronto Blue Jays. They have clinched their uh, first playoff berth since 2016. And stuff, it's man. an exciting time. And I mean, um, they've just been, we've talked before the season started. I remember we had uh, Ian Hunter on and, you yep. know, we were talking about, wouldn't it be nice if they actually made the playoffs this year? We were just dreaming, you know, it would really accelerate the rebuild. Um, we weren't counting on it though, because like we said, the expectations for this season were just to, you know, take that development step forward for this, uh, young core and they made the playoffs. It's absolutely insane. mm -hmm, I think this is a huge thing for, you know, the rebuild. I think it's really going to accelerate their development and, uh, it's definitely going to be really fun. It's going to be a fun week next week. Um, as we watch them in the playoffs, um, as of right now, the uh, I believe uh, they're they're playing right now. So I think I saw a tweet earlier, and uh, it actually broke down. Uh, actually, the Blue Jays lost today, but uh, yeah. I believe. Let me let me just pull up out a tweet here that basically broke down. Here we go. So Toronto will be facing Tampa Bay Rays. If they had won today, that yeah. it would have uh, opened up a whole lot of uh, combinations. Um, that they could have ended up uh, with uh, for their opponent. But as of right now, they are going to be playing the Tampa Bay Rays. I just want to know, what are your predictions or what are your expectations for the Blue Jays in the playoffs? Because I'll just say right off the bat, still, I'm keeping my expectations low. I think they've already exceeded all expectations. And at this point, it's just, you know, let them play. And yep. any even if they get swept uh, or they, they just don't win at all, like it's still such a huge thing in, a, in terms of experience for them. Exactly. Well, first of all, I want to say what exciting season it's been for the Blue Jays. Uh, they've, like you said, defied expectations. They've been playing exceptionally well. And, well, in stretches, there's some, there's some like mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago, a little bit of a tall tight tightening at the collar mm-hmm. uh, that makes you a little nervous. But they were able to get it done. They got into the playoffs. They were not, they were not the last team to make it in. They were, they were one of the earlier ones, which is, I think, a good sign because. Today was actually a pretty crazy day for baseball. If any of you are big into that, uh, this day was it had so many scenarios mm-hmm. about how the playoffs could have uh, went about. Went there was potential the water, yeah. for there was potential for a five way tie mm-hmm. in the NL. A five way tie that just just blows my mind. Like that does not make any sense for sure. But going back to the Jays, uh, yeah, obviously great season for them. Uh, in terms of expectations going into the playoffs, like you said, I'm keeping my expectations to a minimum. It's kind of like the Leafs in 2016-17 where they're just happy to be there and they're really playing with house money. So anything that mm-hmm. they do is just a bonus. And yeah, they definitely uh, match up fairly well with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is the best team in the American League after all. They have every right to be where they are. But it's a three-game series. Anything can happen. You have to... Uh, play play your best i think it all comes down to uh who's got the better pitcher 
who's got the better bullpen and uh, who can get the right hits. Well, that's pretty much baseball in a nutshell, but it really uh-huh. comes, it really becomes important in a three game series exactly. because there's so little room for error. It's not like uh, a wild card game where it's like your entire season's on the line. If you don't win this game, but you know it's what? definitely doable. If anything, this whole season has kind of shown that you have to be able to play when it counts or, or make account, make the shortened, you know, the shortened season, they had to make account and they made the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Um, like we've always said, you have to kind of come out swinging and they have to just do that. I really think the Blue Jays just have to win. Uh, really get, I think in a three game series, it always just depends on game one. It really does. It sets the tone like crazy, it but, does. uh, yeah. yeah, again, they're just happy to be there and, uh, we'll just see how it plays out. Um, yeah, like, as you said, there were some, uh, there were some times where, you know, it was looking tough. I mean, the last couple of weeks, especially starting with that, uh, series in New York with the Yankees, um, that slide, um, I forgot how many games of a losing streak it was, but you know, it was rough. It was rough seeing the Blue Jays lose, uh, you know, especially when they were trying to chase down that, uh, playoff spot, but they got it together when it mattered, which was this, uh, th- this last week here. Yep. So and we'll I think see. it's, uh, I'll get all credit to the team. Uh, Charlie Montoyo is the right uh, manager for this Blue Jays team. Uh, uh, crap, I can't, can't remember his name. <laughs> the the, man, the, G, the GM of the uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, sorry. Shapiro? I'll, I'll get, or... Not Shapiro. Atkins, Ross Atkins. Yeah, Ross Atkins. Yeah. Uh, quit, yeah, some of the moves they made in the last couple of years were questionable, but at the end of the day, they put the team in the right spot, and now they're back in the playoffs. And I think this is only the beginning. They're mm-hmm. going to be back. Mm-hmm. After like this I year. said, yeah, I mean, this is just the beginning. Uh, again, if they get swept in these playoffs, that's okay. They're not exactly contenders, but this just shows. Watch out for the Blue Jays. They will be a contender in the next uh, year or so. You know what's going to be crazy? We were talking about this in the, yeah, in we the, were talking in the chat. <laughs> I know what uh, you're say. The Jays, the Leafs, and the Raptors were so close to all being in the playoffs at the same time. Crazy stats. So basically, they've never, those three teams have never qualified for the playoffs at the same time. And it sucks. You know, year after year, I look at like Boston sports and I'm like, wow, they have like all four of their teams in the playoffs this year. Like, what what would that be like <laughs> to experience, you know? What's the city like when that happens? And this year was honestly the closest they've ever gotten, but technically, and you know, I'll still count it, but. I'll still count. I still don't count it as actually making the playoffs, but yeah, the Leafs technically made the qualifying round, which was the playoffs, but unfortunately they didn't pass the qualifiers, so they technically didn't qualify for the playoffs. But yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. We're just hoping because yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, Blue Jays didn't make the playoffs from you know '93 until 2016 or 2015, and the Raptors you know, started in 95 and they only made the playoffs in 2000. So already that didn't match up. And, uh, again, 2015 and 2016, the Raptors and the Jays did make the playoffs, but the Leafs didn't. So it just never lines up. Never. But I think it'll happen in 2021. Mm -hmm. I think 2021 is going to be the first time it happens. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, the Leafs would have been a playoff team if it wasn't for the, the new format. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's hope next year's the year. Let's hope uh, all three of those teams can make it. Um, and with that, I think we will, uh, let's talk about the NFL and then we'll take a quick break and then round up the episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just want to say I've started watching football a lot more, starting to get into it. 
Um, my Browns picked up a win today, um, so I'm I'm happy. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't. I, I have to talk about your your Bills. Your yes, Bills today. Yes, we have to talk about the we game. Have to talk about your Bills today. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm starting to like football even more, which is great. Yep. Uh, first of all, I want to and uh, start my this this segment by asking how the Bills blew a twenty-eight <laughs> to three lead and won. How? Oh my gosh. I was, How do you do that? I remember I saw your tweet. Your tweet and I like I couldn't help but laugh. Like it's just it's insane. It's insane. Yep. And like um, you know, that's something you'd expect from the Browns, but I'm happy that, you know, the Browns didn't pull the Browns. It was the Bills who pulled the Browns. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but on the plus side, they won the game. So mm-hmm. I'm happy in a sense that they, they were able to escape with a win. But mm-hmm. when you blow a 28 to 3 lead, you don't deserve to win. Mm-hmm. It was it was rough. It was rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I'll go on. I was just going to say, uh, what are your thoughts on some of the other games uh, from this week? Uh, I know there was a pretty interesting uh, Thursday night game between the Dolphins and the Jaguars. And the Dolphins came out with a surprise win. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't get to catch that game because I was working. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, uh, Dolphins, a team that's expected to uh, kind of bottom out this this season uh, once again. But, yeah, that was a, a surprising win. And uh, I got to ask you, what, what teams are you – I mean, three, kind of two, we're in week three, we're entering week three right now. But um, who are your early favorites right now that you're, you're kind of seeing? It's It has to be – the Kansas City Chiefs obviously are the easy favorite mm-hmm. because they were the Super Bowl champion last year, and they've been proving it again that they're they're still one of the best teams in football. I also really like the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson feels like he's got something to prove this year. I think he's got something uh, cooking uh, down down there, and I think Seattle is a is a is a becoming a favorite of mine. I really like their their play this season. They've been uh, one of the one of the the more underrated teams. I feel like people keep counting them out because they think, Oh, their time at the top is over. Uh, they, Russell Wilson is uh done for. I was going to say they, Russell Wilson is playing really good right now. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. They're still one of the best teams in football. There's only one, two, three, five teams that have a three and O record. And Seattle's one of them. I think they're easily one of the favorites going mm-hmm. into next season for so this season. We'll see how it plays out. Of course, as well, Tampa Bay will al- always be a, uh, kind of a, a team that everyone has to follow just to see how that plays out with uh tom brady yep. um the tom brady experiment but we'll see we will see how uh that plays out but yeah I'm, i just want to say like uh it's getting it's getting more exciting now it's getting really exciting yep. and, i want uh, to quickly uh shout out the arizona cardinals i really mm-hmm. like what they've got as well Air, everyone uh if you are a football fan trying to figure out a football team to watch pick the arizona cardinals because they are an up-and-coming franchise. they got a really exciting quarterback. Their offensive line is pretty good. So is their defense. I don't know they make the playoffs this year, but they will in a few in, in the next couple of years. They're really exciting. For sure, for sure. So uh, with that, we'll wait, until, uh, we'll wait and see how this week plays out. Um, mm-hmm. We'll take a break now, and then we will do our NBA draft redo, and then we'll close out this episode.
After a quick drink of water and uh, just checking out the score for the game between the Saints and the Packers, we are ready to do the 2016 NBA Draft mm -hmm. redo. This one's going to be a good one. I mean, just off the bat, um, I mean, I'll, 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 we, we talked about this right now, but we are going to include uh, Fred Van Vliet in this redraft, by the way. Um, it is the 2016 redraft. Technically, he wasn't drafted, but we've all seen that video of him, you know, at the draft. He was at the draft. He was a scouted prospect for that draft. Um, we all saw the the video of him not getting drafted and telling his watch party that, but maybe we yeah. can turn that around uh, in our redraft. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he's definitely going to get taken in the first 10 picks. Here's the interesting thing, though. The top, the first two picks are going to be because there are one player that is the original first overall pick that's in consideration and another player that I will not mention just to save for a dramatic effect that could be easily taken first overall. Super, It's a super tough decision for me. <laughs> Well, I mean, you'll be on the clock very soon. Uh, but yeah, before we start, I'll just repeat, which I repeat uh, every week when we do our redraft. Um, for anyone who hasn't listened to any of our past redrafts, we've basically been redrafting. Uh, I mean, you can go, if you check back episodes way before, like a few months ago, we started with the NHL drafts. We drafted from 2010 to 2017, and we basically did a redraft of each of the drafts. Um, and then now we're doing the NBA drafts from 2010 to 2017. And uh, we basically are picking the just the top 10 picks, and we alternate picks uh, back and forth. And last week, I had the first overall pick, so that means you have the first overall pick this week. And yep. you're up. No more <sighs> time to think. You're up. Okay. This is... Uh... Either way, I think I could say I'll get a steal either way, because, yeah, it, it, this was a good draft. This is a really good draft, especially at the top. Okay. So this was, a, like I said, this was a very tough decision to make. But I'm sorry, I have to do a little bit of bias with my uh, first pick, and I'm going to take Pascal Siakam. No worries, no bias there. I mean, I had Pascal Siakam first as well, and that's no disrespect to Ben Simmons because I feel like Ben Simmons is really a superstar in this league, and I think Pascal yeah. Siakam is as well. I think you can see it in both ways. I mean, if I'm if I'm a rebuilding team, I'm going to be real with you. I'll take. Ben Simmons 10 out of 10 times, right? You get a younger player with a high, really high potential, right? Um, yep. Pascal Siakam, I'm taking in terms of, if we're looking at right now, which we are drafting, you know, no team considerations involved, just who is the better player right now? I think Pascal Siakam is the better player right now. Obviously, he's older. Um, we don't really know his ceiling, but he doesn't have as high of a ceiling. But he has played insanely well. We all know that. We talk about him so much on this podcast. I don't even want to go in, into fine details about him. Uh, if you really want, quick little plug, if you really want to know about more about him, uh, I have a player, a season review on him coming out on Raptors HQ. Give that a read when it comes out this week. Looking forward to that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, he's just honestly, despite his rough playoffs this season, um, he's just been, a you know, second team all-star this season speaks for itself this season he just jumped up into mvp consideration and yep. uh of course he might not have as much time in this league as ben simmons but as of right now he is the better player and i stand by that yep i think pascal siakam is taking quite a development and the fact that he's now the first overall pick is is that's quite a lot a steal he's, he is a steal at 20 he was a steal 27th and the raptors are laughing that they got that pick I, 
to this day. I remember there were articles, you know, when it came, like right after the draft, and people bring that back now, where it was like grading the team's picks in the first round, and the Raptors got like, you know, a, an F or whatever. Like people were saying, like writers were saying, I forgot who. But, you know, the the general consensus was that it wasn't a good pick for the Raptors. I mean, considering you're picking a guy, I mean, at surface level, Pascal Siakam was a prospect, a very raw prospect, who hasn't been playing, who hadn't been playing basketball for very long at the time when he was drafted. Um, yeah. He was an overager when he was getting drafted. And uh, there wasn't a lot to go off of, of course, coming out of Cameroon. Um, but, I mean, look at that. You take raw prospects like Pascal Siakam, like Giannis and Tedekumpo, and look what they turn out to be, right? Pretty, Sometimes yep. It works. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty much it. Uh, why don't we go to um, pick number two, I think. Yeah. Uh, now that we know what, what I mm-hmm. took, uh, the ears will be easy. Yeah, I kind of uh, spoiled it there anyways. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Ben Simmons. I'm very happy with this pick again. Ben Simmons, the perfect player to build around. Definitely a superstar, and definitely he's just going to keep getting better. I think, if anything, the only thing holding him back is himself in terms of the shooting. And uh, he just needs to work on that, and we, we have seen him working on it. Um, but he's just such a great player. I mean, he can post up. He can drive to the basket so easy. I mean, he's, you know, he's kind of – we're going to see it more, the big point guard type of build yep. in the NBA now. You know, LaMelo Ball will be entering the league. He's, what, like six seven six eight. so very similar to Ben Simmons. And, uh, you know, it's just – those types of players are, are definitely the new kind of the new type of point guard. And it, it's all being led by Ben Simmons. And he's just, he's so effective and don't even get me started on his defensive game. His defense is locked down and very happy yeah. with that pick. I'll just keep it at that. Pretty much. Yeah. Simmons, uh, definitely has come a long way as well. Uh, his, uh, shooting has, uh, been improving a little bit each and every year. This past season was, the best season for him from behind the he three made point line, three which is he uh, made a three pointer. Whoa, that's that was so the funniest thing when uh, that when he made the three and everyone was going nuts, both on, in the stands <laughs> and online. It was the best, man. But yeah, it, it's up there with Shaq or like a big man. Shaq making a free throw, <laughs> a three or a first free throw and a three, which just has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. but I mean, I'm I'm very happy with that pick, and Philadelphia has a star in him. You know, it's gonna be interesting to see what Philadelphia does because, you know, the big narrative that's been going on is maybe it's hard to, you know, maybe Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is not a great fit together, but they have a they have a good core there, and we'll see what happens with uh, Ben Simmons. All right, let's move on to pick number three. Uh, this is a little bit tricky, but uh, I think I'm going to take uh, Brandon Ingram number three. Yeah, no, I had him at number three as well. And, I mean, he just won Most Improved Player, which was the same award that Pascal Siakam won last season. And uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo even won that once. And, I mean, he has been the brightest spot on the Pelicans this season when everyone has their eyes on Zion, you know. I think in yep. a couple of years, Zion already has his, you know, his, his, his next star. And uh, we've been talking about this all the time. The Pelicans have really... You know, that Anthony Davis trade, you know, maybe they've lost, you know, a superstar in Anthony Davis, but the return they got for him the, and the fact that they, you know, were getting Zion Williamson, they are in a great spot for the future. I, I wholeheartedly believe even Lonzo Ball will get better and that core will be really good in, you know, a few years. But Brandon, 
Brandon Ingram is already kind of that super, not superstar, but that star player. And uh, no, he re- he very well could turn into a superstar. Very Kevin Durant-esque uh, play style build. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting, but he's been, he's been amazing. That transition from uh, small forward to power forward has been quite successful so mm-hmm. far. As you can probably tell, his numbers this season as a power forward have been the best of his career to date compared to when he's primarily playing as a small forward. Mind you, as a rookie, but still, his numbers have gone up. And I think this season proved that he is can be one of the the best players on a team. Oh yeah, and don't was it was it was it a was it a mistake to trade him? I think the Lakers are not regretting that decision. One, they're big, not. So they're in the where they yeah, are right now. In the finals. That's what they wanted. Yeah. the The Lakers wanted to make the finals in LeBron's, uh, like with the with the time that they had with LeBron. That was priority number one. That yeah. was their window. The Pelicans have now created a window that, you know, they will dominate for years to come, which they're in a very good position. And you know what's so good about this Pelicans team? They're all so young. They're just going to develop together, and their their chemistry yeah. is going to be unreal once Zion gets going. Uh, again, I really feel like Lonzo Ball, he's been making great uh, progress as well. And he's been having his bumps, but I really think he will be their, you know, their, their point guard of the future. Yep. I think uh, if we're talking about the future of the uh, Pelicans, I think for sure Ingram is the number two option there. And mm-hmm. I look forward, like, like we've been really hyping up the Pelicans all year. I think next season is going to be, is when teams really start to notice them because they're going to be exciting to watch. Oh, for sure. So I'm up with number four and I'm, uh, we've been talking about a lot these last few weeks and I don't think it's just recency bias. Just like I said, this, uh, on this episode i think he has made that jump to superstar level i'm gonna take jamal murray that was an excellent choice i was debating him you know i would even take him at third actually if i had the chance um but third fourth i'm glad taking him out fourth i'm glad that i got him either way because yeah i definitely think he's a superstar already and we'll see how he does in the season if he can keep it up but the way he played this bubble the best player in the playoffs this uh this year 100 percent He's been. Unreal. I would like to. Yep, I would like to reiterate that I uh, wasn't like, oh, just Brandon Ingram and done. I was very tempted to take a Jamal Murray at number three as mm-hmm. well. He's that good. But credit where credit's due, he's definitely earned his spot to be number four. Yeah, I and- think uh, if uh, uh, if things go well this season, in the next couple of years, he could definitely slide into number three or even number two. Yeah, and I don't blame you. I had Brandon Ingram number three and Jamal Murray number four, but kind of interchangeable there. So I'm just glad, you know, Jamal Murray, I got him either way because Brandon Ingram, you know, we've seen more consistency and success with him over the season, but, you know, it is a little bit about the recency that we ha- we've we been able to see Jamal Murray play at that high level. And again, yeah. it's just to see if he can keep it up. But yeah, um, I'm just going to let you p- take the next pick because we've talked about Jamal Murray so much. I'm just so glad that I picked the, the Canadian legend. For the next pick, this is tough too because uh, I think tools available would be very. I, it's, I don't know, man. This is this hard. Uh, I could easily take Van Fleet, but uh, I think I have to give props to the Celtics. Uh, they've they've got a really good system going, and part of that is because of some guy named Jalen Brown, who I will take number five. Great pick. Great pick. I would love Jalen Brown on the Raptors. I think any Raptors fan would. would would we'll love Jalen Brown on the Raptors. He yep. was so good these playoffs. He was so good this season, and I really Boston looks like an amazing team. Like I'm kind of jealous because they're gonna have a lot of years in the future where they're dominant. 
because of both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's honestly a, 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 a joke of riches how much talent the Celtics have on their roster. Jalen Brown is is another piece. Like most teams would kill to have a guy like him, and Jay, and he's getting big minutes. Like Jalen Brown is going to be a star. I full wholeheartedly believe that. And this if this playoff proved anything, is that he's someone I'm going to be scared of. Him and uh, Jason Tatum. For sure, for sure. Um, we'll move on. I'll go on to uh, my sixth pick. And I think I will take uh, here Fred Van Vliet. Man, so, uh, <laughs> I am so sad to let him go. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to pick up Fred Van Vliet as well. Van Vliet has been the underdog story of honestly one of the best underdog stories in NBA history. Mm-hmm. You know, from undrafted. And again, if you haven't seen the video of him being undrafted and then, you know, telling his family his friends at his viewing party that you know he went undrafted but you know the main thing was he said you know he's gonna grind it out and he's gonna get there and he did it and now he's staring a max contract in the face right now right and it's just amazing to go from undrafted to being you know whether it's the raptors or the knicks or whoever that's gonna throw money at him this uh offseason he's earned it and Yeah, there's a reason he's the only other player, you know, outside of Kawhi Leonard to get a uh, finals MVP vote last season. Um, the the steps he's taken and just the point guard he's become right now is amazing for the Raptors. And again, we've been saying it, he's not a player the Raptors want to lose because he really is the point guard of the future. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to take him. Simply put, yeah, just such a dominant player right now that he's evolved Honestly. into. Honestly, what's what else can I really really say about Fred Van Fleet that hasn't been said already? Just an amazing talent. Uh, like I said, I hope he stays around Toronto. He's a big part of the team's future. For sure. We'll go on to the next pick, and uh, then we'll start to close out after. We'll, we'll we'll get through these picks quickly, and then we'll start to close out the episode. But you're up with uh, number seven. Seven. This will be pretty easy. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. There you go. Very effective player there. Um, yeah. I'll let you explain your pick a little. Uh, I think Malcolm Brogdon has definitely grown leaps and bounds. Uh, crazy how he went was drafted 36th overall and then went on to win Rookie of the Year. Oh, That's obviously a big accomplishment, but now on the Pacers, he's been one of their, their most efficient uh, setup point, like, uh, setup man. Like, his assist numbers this uh, season were in the 97th percentile mm-hmm. of uh, assist rate. Uh, before that, he was 24th percentile. This guy has jumped leaps and bounds in his development, and I think he's uh, one of the bright spots on that uh, Indiana Pacers team. If Yeah, if that's where he still is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is in India. Um, okay. Yeah, but pretty much everything you said there, um, and I'm going to talk about it a little more soon because uh, I mean, I'm going to go into my own uh, pick here. Um, yep. With my eighth pick, I'm going to take uh, DeMontis Sabonis from also the Indiana Pacers. And uh, I want to say, I wanted to say both of those players um, really, really helped drive, of course, with Oladipo, but even when Oladipo was injured, really, really helped drive Indiana's success. And honestly, Indiana is usually the team that's written off all season. And they just have such quality guys like both Sabonis and Brogdon 
that um, have really, really brought this team a lot of success. And, you know, um, I'm going to talk about uh, Sabonis here, but, yeah, Sabonis has really taken a big step this season, especially became an all-star this year, um, kind of taking a big load off of Oladipo to help carry that team. Um, put up career highs this season, 18.5 uh, points per game he averaged this season. And uh, he's just been, you know, kind of sh- given a lot more spotlight. Um, and he averaged, you know, 34 minutes this season. That's just a huge jump because when Oladipo, and again, Oladipo's future is not promised in Indiana as well. So for him to kind of have, you know, the, be given a lot of the, share of the spotlight in Indiana he's really rolled with it and you know he's a very very solid player I will say this about the Indiana Pacers despite their lack of playoff success in the last couple of years god bless them I feel bad they've got a really good thing going mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it's because of the work that they did in the 2016 draft and also getting uh Malcolm Brogdon he's been a big part of their team's success Sabonis has been a big part of their team's success and as long as uh Oladipo can stay healthy I think they could definitely claw their way into the top five of the Eastern Conference. Mm, for sure, for sure. I mean, they 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 are one of those top teams, really. And next year's going to be interesting just to see how it came out. But again, I mean, they qualified for the playoffs this season, and, you know, things didn't go their way. But uh, they are one of those teams that always are able to stay in there, right? A couple of years yep. ago, they almost eliminated LeBron in the first round, 2018. I remember that. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, definitely a good team there. So uh, you're up with the eighth pick or ninth pick, and then I'll close out with ten. All right, let's make it quick. It's super easy. I think it has to be Buddy Healed. Nice, yeah. Um, the best shooter in this, uh, the best shooter in this draft, easily. Yeah. Um, I Facts. think I, I think I, I read a uh, stat that he had the most three pointers in the in his first four seasons ever, like. Out of a player's first four seasons, he's had the most three-pointers made in NBA history in that mm-hmm. regard, in that time span. So, uh, yeah, just, again, in, in, in a league where everything's moving more towards the three-point line and taking those types of shots, um, of, of course, I mean, kind of an effect of the Golden State Warriors' success, but um, he is that type of player that you want on your team, and Sacramento has a, a great piece in him. Yep, absolutely. I always wondered why the Pelicans gave up on him so soon and uh, sent him to Sacramento. I, wasn't he part of the De Boogie Cousins trade? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always wondered why they included him in that deal because I think Sacramento has really uh, done well with uh, him on their team. Of course, it hasn't led to uh, play up team success yet, but I think uh, you definitely want to have guys like Buddy Heald on your roster because I could, he could, I could definitely see him as a number two option on a contending team. 100%. I definitely think so. Um, I'm going to brand it out with my 10th pick. Just going to keep it nice and short. Um, I'm going to take Chris LeVert from the Brooklyn Nets, who I think this Excellent. season really, really took a step forward because, I mean, of course, the Brooklyn Nets have dealt with a lot. I mean, Kevin Durant's not didn't play at all this season, but Kyrie Irving as well has... Missed a lot of games, and I think we got a lot of good looks of uh, him in that first-round series with the Toronto Raptors when they faced the Brooklyn Nets, and mm-hmm. he played great, you know, for what it's worth. Even though they got swept, he really did play great. And just this season, you know, um, mm-hmm. he put up a high, uh, career high so far of averaging 18.7 points, 
about four rebounds, four assists. Um, you know, those are great numbers. And um, I think, of course, a lot of the load is going to be taken off him when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are both healthy and they're leading that team. But he's exactly the type of, you know, third option that you want on your team. Third or even fourth option, mm-hmm. honestly. If you look at the the balance of their, their starting lineup next year, you could potentially be seeing Irving, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Durant, and Harris. That might be one of the best starting lineups in basketball next year if they're sure. able to stay healthy. That team if is that's, deep, if that's yeah. Little, and it kind of yeah. sucks because, yeah, like um, this season, of course, they didn't get to play at even at even with one of their two superstars in the playoffs and yeah. uh it's it's they've always been a, a, a well-built team even last season when d'angelo russell led them you yeah. know um it's it's not always just the superstar at the top it's also the the components afterwards and, and yeah i think he's a great player who could even be like you said third or fourth option he's he's that effective exactly uh, just to round out this uh, draft, uh, is there any honorable mentions you'd like to bring up that we didn't get to take uh, in the top 10? Um, so what are yours? Let's hear yours first and then... Well, I think we have to mention Jakapoto. Jakapoto uh, mm-hmm. has to be mentioned because he's mm-hmm. a former Raptor. Put in that trade to, to get uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we'll bless his heart. And, and hopefully he still, he does he's, well. he's been playing great in San Antonio still, yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, Patrick Pacaw, another former Raptor. Mm-hmm. Or, or <laughs> right, wait, is he still in the Raptors? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, still in the Raptors. Three-time NBA finalist, finals appearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> what what can I say? Three the, times the guy Raptors. chases the guy chases rings. Unfortunately, unfortunately, this is the first season he will not win a ring. Oh, the Boston Celtics damn. were able to defeat the legend, but should... it's okay. <laughs> Um, well, depending on this series, the Raptors will quickly trade him to uh, one of the, either the Heat or the Celtics so he can continue his streak. <laughs> um, <laughs> off the top, I'm just looking. Chris Dunn, great player yep. right now for the Bulls. Marquise Chris. Um, just looking through here. Malik Beasley, I had him on my list as well. Uh, I'd say De- TWK, mm-hmm. Prince. It's uh, another one. DeAndre Bembry. Another effective player for the Hawks, Dejounte Murray. Yep, he's been he's been excellent in San Antonio. Um, Ivica Zubac, um, for the Clippers. You know, he's been yep. really good for them. Absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, those are I think those are for the most part the honorable mentions. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I definitely think that uh, that's just about do it for this draft. Uh, I would say another solid draft, honestly. These NBA drafts in the first 10 picks have been pretty good for the most part. This is one of the better ones, and I mm-hmm. think this is uh, one of the more talented uh, groups of players we've uh, come across so far. Led by Pascal Siakam. <laughs> isn't that isn't that an exciting yeah. prospect? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so next week we will do our 2017 one, and then we'll round out these two series, and we'll, we'll find out. We'll try to figure out a new series to go from there uh I don't think we could do, you know, exactly the same thing in uh, mm-hmm. with the NFL and the MLB only because the draft isn't as highly valued or you know a lot a lot more different components go into building teams than just the draft in those two sports. Um yep. But we'll see. And uh, uh, I think we'll start rounding out the uh episode here. Um, okay, so 
We have two questions. Okay. One of them we actually already answered uh, earlier in the show when we are talking about the Blue Jays. But thank you to everyone who did send in questions. Uh, always appreciate when you guys uh, give us some the questions. Uh, we'll always make sure to shout you out on the show. Of course, I want to mention, shout out Julie. Julie Jays. Uh, been Julie a fan Jay. of our show for... Julie Jays. Yeah. Julie is... Uh, yeah, Julie, you're, if you're listening, you're amazing. Always see you on Twitter. So supportive. Uh, always... Uh, not just us, of uh, everyone kind of in the community for uh, the Toronto sports community for all three of the teams. And uh, yeah, thank you for your question and thank you for listening. Yes, of course. Uh, so we'll just take the other question that was given to us. It's from Maple Leafs Dan at Daniel1916. He asked, who will Tavares hand the cup off to first? Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... It's either Petrangelo or Spezza. And Spezza, yeah. No, for real, on a serious note, it's Spezza. And if Spezza's not still on the team, it would be Morgan Riley. And let who's to say that Joe Thornton's on that team next year? <laughs> Maybe they give it to Joe. Exactly. I'd say, yeah, essentially it's the, the vet who hasn't won the cup yet. And then I'd say Morgan Riley because he is not just the uh, alternate captain, but he's also the uh, longest-serving Leaf so yeah he has to get it like you know first after the vet yeah and mm-hmm. then i think after morgan riley it has to be austin matthews and mm-hmm. then you go from there mm-hmm. uh but uh let's not get too ahead of ourselves there <laughs> oh of course yeah knock on wood for that <laughs> knock on I, wood. I, this is just this is just our it's a fun scenario. question though it's a fun question yes thank you for that mm-hmm. and uh i just wanted to quickly i mean julie's question was how far do you see the jays going in the playoffs I think yeah. pretty much I'll, I'll just explicitly say what we said, but basically, um, yeah, I, I, I'll be real. I don't think I could see them getting past the Rays. I don't know about you, um, but again, nothing, no shame in that. Um, this is a huge step for that rebuilding team, for the, for the Blue of Jays. Of course, yeah. If they make it past the first round, the sky's the limit. But mm-hmm. I think if, realistically speaking, they can win, they can probably win a round, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope they prove us wrong because... I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, we you know we didn't see them making the playoffs either, but the, here they are. Yep, exactly. Well, the future is bright for the Blue Jays, like we said earlier, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll just have to wait and see. This will for sure. playoff start Tuesday. For sure. So uh, we'll close it out here. Um, again, if you have questions that you want to send us like that, um, you can tweet either me or Michael. My Twitter is at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. Mine is at the Leafs IMO. Our Twitter account is at Behind the Net Pod, and we're also on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you can catch us on any of those platforms. Tweet us, DM us, anything. Um, tell us, you know, if you like the show or not, or if you have any ideas or questions. And yeah, we'll get back to you on there. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. See you guys next time you see us. The Blue Jays will play playoff games. Mm-hmm. 